after three. One, two, three. Delusions run strong on this podcast. Rish Outfield has them. I have them. If you listen long enough, you will have delusions too. The Journey Into Podcast is proud to present this journey into a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A journey into Star Wars, featuring numerous delusions of grandeur. All right, let's just uh, start this. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Journey Into Podcast, uh, Delusions of Grandeur. I'm here with Rish. My name is Marshall Latham. Why, you lousy double-crossing, no-good swindler. My name is Rish Outfield. You got a lot of guts coming here after what you pulled. A man has needs. Uh, What can I say? (laughs) So, yes, it's good. We are back. We are. And uh, this is an episode we promised a couple months back. I don't know. Did we promise? Do we ever promise anything on this show? Well, we we talk about things. <laughs> so if anybody's listening, they are anticipating at some point they will hear something. Well, I, I promise disappointment to our <laughs> listeners each and every episode. And we can deliver. Yeah, but we I think we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast that we've both written short, short stories or vignettes about Han Solo and Chewie. After they leave Yavin and before they come back, um, we thought that would be an interesting scene to depict. Well, hey, where, where did that idea come from? I, I don't feel like that was me. I think that was something you said, hey, why don't we do? Yeah, well, I think you were, you were looking for, at one point you talked about doing a Han Solo story. And you kind of like the idea of doing it right after Yavin and kind of their evacuation of that. And then you had read some things about General Dodonna or something like that. So that story kind of fizzled out for you. And so I had uh, read that Lando story in, uh, what was it called? Oh, where, where he's watching the news about the destruction of the Death Star. And he basically does a spit take when he sees his old ship yeah. fly down and blast Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Yeah. That was from the anthology book, uh, From a Certain Point of View. And so after listening to that story, I thought, man, what did happen? You know, we we never did find out what Han was thinking during that time. And so I think I I challenged you to, to write that as a scene or as a story. And then you challenged me right back and said, well, why don't we both do one and see how it turns out? Oh, okay. So it wasn't entirely your fault. (laughs) Um, and yeah, when we're done talking about this, um, I, I still have a Han Solo story in mind and maybe I'll, uh, I'll pitch it to you and you can tell me whether, uh, that's a good idea or, uh, you just keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> okay. That sounds fun. That sounds good. Uh, so I think we're going to divvy this out into two different mini episodes cause they're really short scenes. It's, it's not really a, a story per se. Instead of combining it into a mega episode, we can just uh, have these little mini ones come out. Then we'll also have our regular Delusions of Grandeur, where we're talking about everything Star Wars at some point. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because that last episode was, it was a beast to edit (laughs) and probably to listen to. 
there are many people that didn't make it through. They, uh, they just they starved <laughs> to death in the middle of that episode. Their skeletons were found with their iPods still attached. Yeah, that was just the two of us talking about it. So this is going to be short. So this 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 will have two two short episodes here. Okay. With, uh, two different stories. That's cool. We can call like one Han and Chewie Marshall's take and one Han and Chewie Rish's take or something like that. And uh, yeah. And that way nobody will be satisfied. And uh, before we started recording, we uh, played a game of uh, Sebok together and Rish won. So his story gets to go first. Yeah, I, I had the uh, three of blasters. <laughs> and apparently that uh, actually beats almost every other card. Because uh, Queen of Spades and the uh, Jack of Diamonds are uh, no match for a good blaster in your hand. <laughs> uh, so what, is, what does that mean? I go for I my story is first. Your story is first. Yeah. Okay. I will grab my story and uh, and and leave as quickly as possible. No, uh, <laughs> mine doesn't have a title. It's just a vignette. I could come up with a title if you want me to. No, I, I think they're probably better without one, just uh, okay. as a scene. So you've got it in front of you, right? I've got it in front of me, yeah. All right, let's, let's read them together. You can do the narration, and I'll voice Han, and uh, I don't know, we'll get uh, one of your kids to voice Chewie, all right? That sounds good. <laughs> Chewbacca hadn't said anything since they'd left the Rebel base. In a way, it was more annoying than if he'd been yammering the entire time. Han Solo finished reconnecting the emergency thruster initiator since the wiring had worked its way loose again. Then he plopped himself down in the pilot's chair, the blue of hyperspace reflecting on the dice above his head. Chewbacca didn't look at him. All right, spill it, Han told him. Say what you want to say. Chewbacca didn't move seemingly entranced by the instrument panel in front of him. You think we should have stayed? Helped with the evacuation? Chewbacca shrugged. They'd been in a hurry, affecting as many ship repairs as they could before it was too late to leave. Two of the regulators had been blasted out, and those Yavin mechanics had insisted on replacing them instead of just letting Chewbacca weld a plate over the damage. And they could have used their reward money to get things fixed on their own, Generous kids, those crazy rebels. Crazy. You, uh, didn't want us to join those fighters, did you? Han asked, hoping he knew his co-pilot better than that. You know, the old guy showed me the gun emplacements on the surface of that thing. It's a death sentence for a snub fighter, let alone a freighter like the Falcon. <laughs> Chewie started to say something, then cut himself off. Han had gotten the gist of it, though. My fault? But how could it possibly be my fault? Again, Chewie said something curt. The words stung. Because they had some truth to them? Hey, hey, hey. Han argued. She could have gone someplace else. If she really thought the Empire was tracking us, why lead them to their super-secret headquarters? There was no response to that one, although Han could sense one was coming. He made a little adjustment to their course, noticing that the Navi computer was on the verge of overheating. Yet another repair to make, when they got all this sorted out. Chewbacca's big furry head slowly swiveled toward his friend. His small blue eyes looked thoughtful and sad. 
It was almost more than Han could take. Well, he said, and the big Wookiee started to blather, the words coming out so fast and breathlessly, and it was hard for him to understand some of it. Of course I remember that, but we had our reasons for staying out of that back then. Chewie just kept talking. Yes, I know what happened then, but this ain't the same thing. Chewie asked him how. Because we could have made a difference back then. There was a chance on Janetto too, a chance of surviving. This is totally different. Chewie didn't let him finish. He had another question for Han. Yeah, I like the kid. Chewie asked another. Uh-huh, the princess too. But that's beside the... Chewie growled. Hell, even the droids. Han admitted. It's not the point. You and me dying doesn't help anybody's cause. Finally, the Wookiee stopped talking and seemed to think about Han's words. Buddy. Han said. If a Jawa or a Chadra fan went up against a Gundark, there's just no way to help him. Only one way that fight's going to end. A wry answer there, making the whole analogy sound ridiculous. Okay, bad comparison. Han admitted. But you know what I mean. The Empire is too big. That damn space station is too big. Chewbacca said something soft and resigned. Well, we're, we're too far away now, Han said, though it came out lamer than he had intended. There was silence again between them, just the sound of the Millennium Falcon's engines, the rattle of the cargo floor, and the hiss of one of the oxygen regulators, which seemed to be on its last leg. Chewie tried one last time, only half-heartedly. What do you mean? No way Jabba would understand. No response to that statement. Han sighed. He was almost out from under his debt. So near to freedom again, he could almost taste it. Good luck and hard work had gotten him this far. That and not making stupid decisions. He was not an idiot, or he would have died a hundred times over. Turning around was something an idiot would do, like the old man with the laser sword, cut in half for no reason. Like the naive kid from Tatooine. Han swore under his breath. Chewie. Chewbacca reached for the controls before Han could even finish saying, Laying a new course. It's kind of interesting reading these. We we wrote these before we watched Solo Han or whatever it's called, Solo a Star Wars story. So when I read this, I, I'm still thinking original trilogy because that's kind of the vein in which it was written, or at least I'm pretty sure it is from your point. Yeah, I. It's hard to see Ori Oaken sight <laughs> as Han Solo. <laughs> I read that last shot book where. Part of the book took place in the past, and part of the book took place when, after Return of the Jedi, let's say that. So, it, part of it took place in the original tri- trilogy-ish era, and part of it took place in this uh, solo movie era. And in my mind, when it was young Han, it was just younger Harrison Ford than we ever saw him, Han, uh, in my head. I don't know why, I just... It's not that I think of that as a different character. I guess I've just lived with that one for so much longer. 
that when I see the name Han. Yeah. But, uh, you know, having seen Solo, I don't know that that changes anything in this story. You could uh, maybe add like some little thing, some reference to something that happened in that in that movie, but I don't know that it's necessary. It just Yeah, the, the only thing I could think of is you could add Mimbon or uh, Kessel, a reference to those, even though we know they've been to Kessel. But I like the addition of the... Uh, the Chadra fan. I had to look that up. <laughs> is, that's the little thing that, the little bat guy that's reaching for a drink in the in Mos Eisley Cantina, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw that when I looked it up. But. Or he's a little mouse guy. I can't remember if he was a bat or a mouse. I think he's a bat. I think so. Or at least that's what he looks like to me. I wonder sometimes, you know, when they're making these new movies, who decides how many new faces as far as aliens we see and then how many creatures beings that we revisit from earlier films because it just seems like that would be a fun decision to make it was just like okay let's get a squid head in here i loved squid head or it's like okay what uh let's get another i don't know praying mantis guy or something like that some of those designs of aliens were more inspired than others but it seems like the one that the people have embraced the most that I can think of the, of the non-human characters are, are, are Twi'leks. People really dig Twi'leks. And maybe it's because, you know, we saw, did we only see two Twi'leks in the original trilogy? I guess the fact that we saw two of anything made them special. Like uh, in this last shot book, Lando uh, has like a long-term girlfriend and she's a Twi'lek. And then they, they sort of rekindle their romance and, and it becomes way serious toward the end of the book. and To the point where I was just like, oh, okay, so they, I think they have married Lando off in, in this. That, that's interesting. I, I wonder if she shows up in other books and other media. Huh. Well, the, the first one was Bib Fortuna, right? I think he'd be the first one we saw, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Ula was the second one. And then I guess the special edition had like a purple-skinned one. Oh, in the band? I don't know. My cousin really likes one called Darth Talon, and she's a red-skinned Twi'lek with hmm. tattoos all over her. Are they called Leku, the, the tentacles on her head? Yeah. And she's a, a Sith. Uh, is that what you call it? She's a dark Jedi. Anyway, I, I know there are more, but what's her name? Hera Syndulla is a Twi'lek. Yeah, um, yep. And there was a lot of them in Clone Wars, too. Well, her dad, can't think of his name right now. Wait, her dad was on Clone Wars? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, he had at least uh, two or three episodes that he was, because he was kind of uh, going against the Separatists on his planet, more so than the Republic wanted him to. But he was kind of my planet first kind of thing. That makes sense. Anyhow, sorry, I got us off track there. Yeah. <laughs> just, there are certain aliens that always spoke to me, and it just would be neat to see different ones show up. Uh, no, uh, different versions of that species. How's, that's, that's what I mean. Show up right. in later medium media, and uh, just, it would be fun to be the guy that gets to decide. Yeah, I know. I've heard some people talk, and they keep saying, I want more original trilogy aliens in these new movies. Okay, okay. I, I feel that way too. Good. Yeah, they keep saying, I, I dig all the new aliens. That's all cool, but I want to see some Ithorians. I want to see some 
Godels, that kind of thing. Yeah, the um, the guy in Rogue One, gosh, I used to know his name, Admiral Radish or Radis or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, the other. Uh, I mean, that was a major Mon character Calma. in that film. Yeah. And the fact that he was also a Mon Calamari resonated with me because I love Akbar so much, and I, I think they were probably there was somebody who liked Akbar too and said we're going to do another one of these. Yeah. Um, it, it, all, it may also be that because that puppet from Return of the Jedi worked so well, he was so memorable, and then also he emoted. You know what I mean? That the, There are some that are just rubber, and there are some that are just puppets, and then there are some that are just dudes in a costume, but, but he was a rubber dude in a costume with a puppet. Yeah. Uh, and it, it somehow made it more alive, and, and, and certainly in the 21st century... He had a resurgence in popularity well beyond what he ever had <laughs> in the 1980s. Yeah. And so I think that that's neat. I, I mean, I feel bad that they offed Akbar the way that they did. I, I have talked to people that hate The Last Jedi. Okay, not much have I talked to them, but um, <laughs> one of the characters that seems super divisive for people, and, and for me as well, is Holdo. Is it Admiral? Vice Admiral Holdo. And so I had a conversation with Joe, a guy that doesn't like Last Jedi, and I said, well, if Holdo were Admiral Akbar, if Admiral Akbar had survived, and so now he is head of the Resistance, but all of Holdo's lines are given to Akbar, where he says, oh, oh I've heard about you. you know, you're a hot shot, and you run in where, you know, wherever you think you, you should be and you don't obey orders well and you're the last thing that we need right now, would you have hated Akbar the way that you hate Holdo? And he said, no. And I said, what is it? Do you not like Laura Dern? Do you not like the purple hair? Do you not like the prom dress? And he said, no, <laughs> the thing is, we know that Admiral Akbar is a veteran warrior with you know years of service under his belt. And that brings with it a certain cachet. It brings respect yep. with it, where it's just like, I don't agree with this guy, but he has earned his stripes, and so I have to give him some grudging respect. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. And it made me imagine that movie with Akbar in that role and how different that would be. And, and, and I do understand why they choose human characters characters with actors behind them because it's so much harder to empathize and to feel that one of these characters is a person rather than a special effect or a Muppet or something like that. But yeah, but with someone like Yoda or uh, with Chewbacca, they've shown that, that you can love and respect and believe in these characters, even though they're not human. I don't know. I, everybody that doesn't like Last Jedi has lots of suggestions for how to fix that. Yeah. Um, but I just found that really interesting, that idea of what that movie would have felt like with Akbar in that role. Well, did, did you see that, how it should have ended about The Last Jedi? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> well, that, that's exactly what, what they came up with, was that Admiral Akbar left before the bridge got destroyed and so when Leia was 
out for the count for a while. He became the leader. And, you know, they made the point to say, and just so you understand and don't try to mutiny against me, we have a, this planet, the crate, and we're going to evacuate there and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he's kind of giving a look at, at Holdo and everything. So that's pretty funny. And then he he is the one that go you know goes into light speed into the uh, first they order. Dies that super heroic death. Yeah, and they have some fun with that. I'll put another link to that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, put it in the show notes. I. It's sad <laughs> that I'm not the person that thought that up then, yeah. or not the first person that thought that up. But he just dies so uh, unceremoniously or unheroically or. You know, there is a line that recognizes his death, and so I guess that's more than than nothing. But still, I think I told you, uh, you know, however long ago it was, when we saw, when we reviewed Last Jedi, that that was the very first Star Wars guy I ever got was Admiral Ackbar, and so I have love for that character beyond just his appearance in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I, I think he should have got more due, more screen time than he did, but. Uh... You know, I guess since we're on on this, you know, that, that is one thing I've come to agree with people that don't like The Last Jedi is that the, the Holdo character really doesn't make sense. It's just a, a new person. And I think that's, you know, it's probably what they were going for was here's this person that nobody knows and doesn't trust. And that's why it leads to the where it does. So it gets them to where they wanted to. But um, she's really vicious. <laughs> toward Poe, even though after everything is done and Leia's back, she's like, oh, yeah, haha. I like him, too. Yeah, I like him, too, but she didn't indicate any of that while she was in charge. And, you know, if that was Leia saying that to him, which she did say similar stuff, it, you know, she has the the history and the, the bona fides or whatever. You know, she's, she's earned the respect of everybody, including Poe, where Holdo hadn't earned that yet. So I, I do kind of see that as a unnecessary character in The Last Jedi. I, I'd like to sit with Ryan Johnson and ask about, are we meant to dislike her? Because I do, and I sort of grow to respect her by the end of the movie. But I feel like Poe is the character we're supposed to relate to. Poe Dameron is the character where we're just like, okay, this is the guy we know from the last movie. And Finn is kind of out of it. And then later he leaves the ship and he is our point of view character, especially once Leia is knocked out or whatever you want to call that. And so to have a character that sort of dismisses Poe's concerns and Poe as a person the first time that we meet her, I can't help but feel like, well, they did that intentionally so that we wouldn't like her because they want us to like Poe. Yeah. I mean, when Leia slaps Poe, I don't dislike Leia. We understand where she's coming from. And again, Leia has earned our respect over the years. We know that she is capable. We know that she is a military commander. And I just, I wonder if Ryan Johnson would say yeah, you're not supposed to like her, or, no, that was never my intention. I cast an actress that I particularly liked yeah. for this part because I figured that, you know, people that liked Wild at Heart, people that liked Jurassic Park would instantly warm to her face, and and I don't know. 
when people say that she is a deal breaker for them or a showstopper for them, where it's just like, oh, she has purple hair. <laughs> I find it really difficult to defend that, to, to argue with that. Yeah. Because she does have purple hair and she's not an alien. Why does she have purple hair? Because in our world, that's something that teenagers do or that, you know, that's something that frivolous young people or I don't know. Nobody has purple hair. But if she had had like insect eyes and purple hair, we would have just been like, oh, OK, that's she's that's her species. Right. No problem. But she's a human being. And instead of a military uniform or something, she is wearing a, a nightgown, uh, a ball gown. I don't know what she's wearing. It's just these were choices, and I would be curious to know what the intention was behind these choices, whether they were saying, well, we want someone who is elegant, who looks like a a princess or a queen or something like that, but we want it to be, or not from Earth, so we gave her purple hair. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, or that could have been trying to target a younger audience, like you're saying. Mm, I hadn't thought of that. But I don't know. It seems like Ryan Johnson tried to try to have it both ways with Holdo. You know, he wanted us to to hate her when when we we're supposed to, and then you know when Leia comes back and she's more friendly and light, and then when of course when she sacrifices herself for the cause, you know that that goes a long way to to winning her over. But uh, she kind of shifts her personality there at the end. Or we just didn't get to know who she was, you know. We didn't know who she was in the first place, so. Right. I'm thinking there's a good comparison in Star Trek The Next Generation, the Chain of Command episode, where Picard is relieved of duty as captain of the Enterprise, and this new captain comes on board. Captain Jellicoe? Jellicoe. Yeah. And Ronnie Cox plays him. And from the get-go, from the very beginning, we are not supposed to like this character. You know, like Jean-Luc Picard takes him aside and, you know, he's going to give him some uh, some advice of, you know, this is a fine crew and here's something that I suggest. And he's like, no, 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 I've been a captain a long time. I don't need any of your suggestions. And I don't certainly don't need to coddle any of these people. It's like they, they're Starfleet and they will obey my command. And so I, don't tell me how to run this ship. And from that moment, you're just like, wow, I don't like this guy. Yeah, uh, And then he butts heads with Riker the whole time. And then in the end, he is forced to ask Riker for his help and is proven wrong. You know, it's like Riker, who is a character we love, is dismissed by this guy and belittled by this guy. And then in the end, Riker is proven right. Angelico is proven wrong. Angelico has to humble himself and ask for Riker's help to save the day. It's all by design, the fact that Jellico is this character, so that we would feel a certain way. And I couldn't, couldn't help but feel like, in some ways, Holdo is that same way, except for there comes a moment when there's a shift where it's just like, oh my gosh, we're supposed to like Holdo. Clearly she and Leia go back a long time. Yeah. Oh gosh. And I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There, were, there was never a moment like that with Captain Jellico where you're just like, oh. No, this guy is great. We just never saw it before. Yeah, and somebody told me they laid the, the groundwork for Holdo in a, in a novel. But you said she wasn't in the Princess of Alderaan book. So 
I don't know which book that is that they supposedly showed this relationship between Leia and Holdo. Well, there are a lot of books. And maybe if I were younger and could read a book every week and a half, I would be able to tell you what that is. But the, the one good thing about Jellico, though, is that he finally got Deanna Troy to wear something sensible. <laughs> That's right. He's, he asks what she's wearing. And she says, oh, you know, as ship's counselor, I... And he's like, if you're going to be on my bridge, you need to dress like a bridge officer. <laughs> yep. And that did change the show, I think, after that. It was rare to see Troy in her ball gown. Yeah. Or her, you know, whatever she wore. I, I had forgotten that. Yeah. But the boy, a Chain of Command is a really, really solid episode or two episodes of Next Generation. Yeah. And yeah, sorry about... Sorry to bring opposing fandom into our star wars you know oh no problem got some peanut butter in our chocolate (laughs) well you know when disney owns everything we're gonna see the star trek star wars crossover event Ooh, i hope i don't live to see that (laughs) i remember people when they'd be like which would win in a fight the millennium falcon or the enterprise and i just i didn't want to think about that yeah you know it's like who would win in a fight a t-rex or conan the barbarian like well <laughs> I, I i don't think they ever lived in the same time period anyhow uh, sorry about that is is there anything you want to say about untitled han chewy story 1 um i i kind of like how you made it uh, you know it was like it was almost inevitable that han would make that decision that it was just he had to work through it in his mind you know, I don't know if it was Chewie being patient and then, you know, trying his best or whatever, but eventually Han was going to make that decision. It just, uh, like I said, he had to work it out. So I like how you did that. Well, I mean, who knows what Han and Chewie's relationship was like? Chewie always seems to be a subordinate to Han. It's not an equal partnership. Han is sort of the boss and Chewie is his sidekick. But I think that by this point in their relationship, Chewie knows how Han's mind works and he knows how to get what he wants from Han. And maybe you have to have Han come to that decision on his own so that he feels like he made the decision instead of, you know, admitting he was wrong or, or taking Chewie's side. Right. And I just, I, I like that idea that, that Chewie is just like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I know how Han will take that. And he'll start to turn, the, the, the silence will make him uncomfortable. And to fill the silence, he will say something, and eventually he will say the wrong thing, and I will get my way. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know. The Chewbacca character is kind of a mystery, because we never understand what he's saying, and we almost never understand what he's thinking. And when you wrote yours, were you at all tempted to write dialogue for Chewie? You know, well, maybe we can get into it more with mine, but no, I, I tinkered with the idea of writing it from Chewie's point of view, because I don't think that's ever been done before. That I can remember. So I kind of wanted to take on that challenge of it. But the more I tried to think about it and how would I do that, you know, like you said, we don't know Chewie's thoughts. You know, we don't know his process or whatever. So I, I went very much like you with just dialogue with the narrator, you know, third person point of view watching these characters. I wonder, did Lucas ever consider subtitling Chewie's dialogue? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good thought. Because they do that quite a bit with aliens on there. And they did it with uh, <laughs> Hans Wookie, or whatever the name of that language is. Right, in Solo. In Solo, yeah. 
when Chewie was speaking, they didn't do subtitles, but when Han was, they did. Huh. That you know that has to be a decision that they've made. Yeah. Going back to the first movie, I I, I don't know. I, Big Anklevich always talks about there is a clip where o- old Ben says, you know, the Force will be with you always, and then Chewbacca says. That guy's mad. <laughs> and Han goes, you said it, Chewie. Where did you dig up that old fossil? And they just dubbed over Peter Mayhew saying that guy's mad huh. with... And, he, and, and Big was just fascinated. He wanted to see a version where Chewie's dialogue was in English just because it would add a totally new depth to that movie. I mean, it would add dozens if not a hundred new lines to star wars yeah chewie's dialogue always has to be explained by the people around him to know what he's saying han has to say something like oh yeah you're right we need to do this or whatever right or three po no chewbacca i will not be quiet yeah so (laughs) that's that's interesting how they they make that work and actually with r2d2 the same thing i remember anthony daniels saying once that he was uh he played both of the droids because he had to respond and, and tell the audience what R2 was saying. I guess that's difficult. Yeah. I haven't really written for the droids, uh, except for our little outros and things for Delusions of Grandeur. But, uh, yeah, often 3PO will just repeat what R2 just said, but, you know, in different words. Yeah, don't, don't call, call me, me a minus, minus philosophy. philosophy. You overweight club of Greece. Exactly. <laughs> Both had the same line come to our minds. Holy cow, really? Yeah. <laughs> that is weird. Well, let's end on that high note then. All right. So there's your, your first installment, your first attempt. Or not attempt, your first... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Freudian there. Yeah. The first take at uh, the uh, Han Chewy mid-Yavin base... I don't know. Battle of Yavin story. There you go. Okay. And we will be back as soon as I can get this thing edited with another episode where we continue this line of inquiry. Continue this line of succession. What is it I'm trying to say? We will have the next installment. Okay. (laughs) So, hey, I have been Rish Outfield. And I have been Marshall Latham. Journey on. Chewy. We're out of here. <laughs> Hello, I am C-3PO, Human Cyborg Relations, and I can readily translate what our repugnant, oozing, bad-tempered friend is saying is that the Delusions of Grandeur podcast has been released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. He would stress that while you may share the show with any of human or Jawa kind, you cannot sell it or alter the files. Oh, but I quite like them. They made me their king. Ooh. All right. They license specifically bars Ewoks from listening to the show. I'm terribly sorry. Good night. Let's see here. Han finished. Han Solo finished reconnecting the port emergency thruster initiator. Well, that's a mouthful. You can type this stuff, George. <laughs>